You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Adjacent. You're listening to the Sports Adjacent. Okay, I like that. I just learned something new today. Adjacent. With Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey on the House of L Network. We're doing everything I dreamed of as an adjacent. Oh, man. You know what's another trend that I keep saying that's done by one group? People eating things off of counters, making food on counters. Y'all got to stop that, Jason. Tell them this. Or making food in the toilet and eating it. This counter counter thing is something that needs to be addressed. What are you talking about? No, you know what? Is this on Instagram? No, I have no idea. Is this on Instagram? TikTok, Instagram, YouTube cooks that are like pouring food onto the marble countertops and like stirring it up most of the time with their hands on a counter and serving food that's on a counter. Don't they have cutting boards? They're not using them. Why would you, what would be the point of doing this? Like who would think this looks good? I think it's idiotic. Would you ruin your countertops? That's what you, that's what I'm saying. Maybe if the countertops are marble, maybe it doesn't ruin it, but I don't, I don't understand the point. It seems nasty though. Well, like, are you going to be impressed by that? If I, if you come to my house, Russ, and I serve you like some really good food, which by the way, I've done. You do. Uh, and then you're halfway through eating it. And I'm like, guess what, buddy? Made that on the kitchen countertop. I would be. You're going to be like, oh, my gosh, it's so good. I can't believe something could be so delicious that you made on the kitchen countertop. I would absolutely not say that. Yeah, I know. Well, I don't. That's why I don't get the point of it. But it, it's just like you want to say, all right, this is somebody doing this for clout just to get hot on the Internet. So but like, I really think this is something people do. And like. No, under like not cooking meat all the way through and like, oh, oh, well, that's di- I mean, there's different degrees to which you want to cook meat, like a steak no. or a burger or something like that. Or salmon. It's like, it's like ground beef that, you know, is undercooked and they're like, eat. oh, it's bad. <laughs> it's not even like, oh, this burger's cooked medium. It's did like Tony. <laughs> did Tony say people are making this food in their toilet? They're using other weird surfaces. Yeah. Did you see that? What, what's the? Yeah, I've seen some weird things on the. On I still don't get it though, because like Russ, if you come to my house and I'm like, "Hey, we made this lemonade, and we got the lemons, the sugar, we like, we made this lemonade from scratch," and you're like drinking it, and you're like, "Oh, this is really good." I'm like, "Hey, by the way, I mixed this in the sink where my kids brush their teeth." You're just you're gonna be you're gonna be like, "Wow, that's amazing!" You're gonna like it even more then. I would put my glass down. I don't. I just don't understand this. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not arguing about it, but I, I don't get what you guys are talking about, how this is a thing. 
imagine our, us on the timeline watching it. <laughs> imagine if, if you're on a timeline just scrolling through and you see somebody draining spaghetti noodles over a toilet. And you're bringing this to me because it is mostly white people that, and I need to answer for this behavior. Yes. Well, I'm just saying, I'm just letting you know what's happening on the timeline. <laughs> I'm not saying who it is. I'm just saying it's happening on my timeline and there's a common theme. All right. Well, I will, uh, on my group text with the, uh, the other white people, <laughs> the rest I of the will, whites, I will try to find out what's going on with making food on countertops and toilets that is weird i did i had to do it recently i did make food on the countertop because i was trying to make biscuits and i needed a huge area to roll it see i think that i I, but i scrubbed that countertop man before i started making food on it i was gonna say like there's certain situations where that's okay and biscuit making is one of them because it wouldn't fit on a cutting board right but so like that's right cookie sheet for biscuits yeah, it's hard because you have to like you have to have the you you're have rolling it, man. Surface and like yeah. rolling rolling it out, and yeah. then you need like a sturdy surface. So like even a cutting board, unless you have an extremely large one that you can stabilize, it's hard to make biscuits on something like that. So it does in that situation specifically work best on a counter a clean countertop, but yeah. not like I saw somebody this lady made spaghetti and like put the the cooked noodles on the counter and threw the meat sauce on the counter and like mixed it on the, and it was, I'm like- with her hands? Yes, with her. I'm just like, what are we doing here? Oh, I'm closer to that. When he's talking about, when Tony's saying like with his hands, like I'm closer to cooking with rubber gloves on because I'm a, kind of like a clean freak and I want to prepare food for other people the way I would want it prepared for me, which is not on a countertop or a toilet. Yeah. It's very odd. I one time I'm trying to think of like the weirdest thing I've attempted. And I, in college, I think I tried to make ramen noodles in the coffee pot and that didn't work in case you're wondering. I've seen some college kids attempt that one. Yeah. It doesn't work the same as a hot pot, but that's, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they would have tasted, maybe they tasted weird too. Cause the coffee, but that, I mean, it's not gross. It's not like that's really weird. When I was making those biscuits on the countertop, like, because I had no other place to do it, that would have, logistically worked. I had this whole weird feeling the whole time of like, I, I got to completely clean this countertop. It still feels kind of weird, like doing this on the countertop. And you're telling me this is a trend that's hard for me to wrap my head around. That makes two of us, buddy. Like I said, I will, uh, I will check in with the rest of the white people to find out why they're doing this. <laughs> we pre- we'll look forward to the update next. <laughs> Tony laughs every time I say white people. No, listen, I, 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 it is funny when you say it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's start the show. Welcome to Sports Adjacent. I'm Jason Leisure with my co-host Russ Dorsey and Tony Gill, our producer, giggling in the background. Um, this is going to be a good show. We have a ton of stuff to talk about. I, I don't know why we did a show last week. We do a show every week, but I feel like I haven't seen you in a long time for some reason. Which one of us, me or you. Tony? you no i've been uh i've been out and about it's been, there's never a time where i feel like i haven't seen tony in long in long it's <laughs> it's never been long enough trust me i i i actually find myself having that conversation with a lot of people was like i today it was just like i haven't seen you in a while 
<laughs> She's like, yep, that's what my life is like these days. Um, this is the first time I've gotten to record the pod at home in a little while, too. Like, I've recorded more shows in hotel rooms than my actual apartment. So it's mm. nice to be in the comfy chair at home and record with you guys. Podcast escort, huh? <laughs> That's that's one of your better ones, Tony. Good job, man. That made me laugh. Like that was a hearty laugh. Um, I I tried. You know, you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do on the in these podcast streets. You have any more questionable things you want to say, Tony? Anything else you want to get out of the? Let's just do it now, man. I was at, throughout his road trip. I was just waiting for some random to pop up. That because okay. we usually do these in the morning. Yes. Just, just some lady just swing her arm or something somebody walking the background right yeah. in a robe like something that's all i'm glad i'm glad, I'm glad you think so highly of russ so he keeps no i do like i mean if he did he kept it clean man like good job dude no nah, man i it's always the pod comes first always first it, well sometimes pod. it does sometimes it does Right now it does because the pod is brought to you by Obvious Shirts, our uh, our beloved, loyal sponsor. Uh, I'm looking at their website right now, Russ, and they have a whole new section of shirts for Boog Shambi mm-hmm. for his uh, project Main Street that uh, fights AOL, ALS. I almost called it AOL. Excuse me. ALS. Uh, it's ALS awareness and raises money for that. Um, they got some cool ones on here for Lou Gehrig Day. Do you know Boog Shambi? Have you gotten Boog, to know him? Yeah, Boog is from Boog covering the Cubs. Great dude, uh, fun, funny, excellent broadcaster. And what he's doing uh, to help fight ALS is amazing. Please go on obviousshirts.com. And that the part of the proceeds go, you know, to helping fight ALS. So that's awesome. $10 of every sale goes to uh, Project Main Street. And uh, in addition to that, you can get 10% off of any of these shirts by using our promo code adjacent. 10. I feel like I've never met Boog Shambi, but I feel like I know him in this weird way because when I lived in Miami, he did an afternoon show down there. And when you listen to somebody that often on the radio, you feel like you know that you kind of do know them. They don't know you. Right. But you do end up kind of knowing a lot about them through that much like how people know a lot about us probably through this podcast, right. even though we don't know them. Yeah. He was a Marlins broadcaster for a while, ended up being. The national guy at ESPN still does some national work for ESPN doing baseball. But as of this year is the Cubs play by play guy. And he's, it's been a lot of fun. Like he's great. Good people. What are you eating back there? By the way, Tony broad broadcasting, uh, podcasting, sound editing professional you're sitting we can hear you eating that you're back there eating nerds we can hear it rattling around in the box wow i thought it was uh far enough back from the mic you you know how microphones work you of all 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 the microphones work better than anybody oh my gosh you know how mad he'd be if he was listening to a show and heard somebody doing that in the back hey tony would be like that's so unprofessional that's like uh asmr is that what it's called now he's now he's choking on it what does that mean (laughs) Well, ASMR? I think they're choking on it. You gotta be kidding me, Tony. Are you choking? Because I, I said that's like you doing ASMR in the microphone. <laughs> I don't know what that is. So, all right, how can I explain ASMR to Jason, Tony? Um, Get up really close to to your microphone. Talk really low 
in light and describe something or rub like the can across your fingers or something. Yeah, it's like you you it's these distinct strong noises um into a mic where you can hear like whether it's like somebody chewing or yeah like LaCroix yeah. can like squeezing it really low so you can hear every sound. You got to whisper like this. Somebody whisper in your ear that. I don't what is the act what is what does it stand ASMR is that what you said? For. I just know that okay when somebody does there's it usually entails somebody whispering into a microphone and then sounds um but we're going to figure this out on the fly because that's what we do here with <laughs> Jason uh podcast. AS, ASMR a feeling of well being combined with a tingling sensation in the scalp and down the back of the neck as experienced by some people in response to a specific gentle stimulus, often a particular sound. Sounds hot. I mean, that's usually like, that's like, that's kind of like the goal, I think. Of a crinkling beer can? But it's just like, and this isn't beer, this is sparkling water, Jason. I can't tell what you're, I, I said LaCroix. You See? you pronounce things so fancy, man. I thought that was LaCroix. It really isn't. All that private school my parents paid for, I better pronounce things correctly. Um, ASMR, uh, autonomous sensory meridian response. Okay. I don't know what that means. Autonomy sensory meridian response that helps you bliss out on the sounds and visuals of people eating, running their hands across the skin, scratching softly, or even whispering. Bliss out? That doesn't sound like that was Webster's. That's picture. somebody explaining what it is. Oh, okay. All right. Um, so it's enjoying sounds is as easy as I can explain it. Are you going to recycle that can, by the way? I'm not going to tell lie. the truth. Tell the truth. I, I, I like the environment, but I'm throwing this in the trash. I kind of have that same feeling right now. You know, yeah, it was just I like, like the environment, too, but I'm not looking for a part time job. And that's kind of what they're asking you out of you. Recycling wise. Now, I'm going into a bit about recycling. <laughs> Let's get into it. <laughs> do you, do you have the two, So that means I'm assuming you don't have the two trash cans, one for recyclables and one for trash. No, I do. But it's too much work, man. And like I want I'll recycle stuff if it's easy enough. But there's so, I, I'm not going to sit there and like clean something before I put it in the recycling. And there's all of these rules. I mean, like you can't. Did you know you can't put a pizza box in the recycling? You're not supposed to because it's but like greasy and dirty and stuff like that. I guess it's supposed to go in the trash. I mean, you're not allowed to burn it. and It's not allowed to go in the recycling. I mean, you have all these different things. You ever try to clean out like a thing of yogurt? I don't eat yogurt, but my a kids yogurt eat it. Like, yeah, you got to like rinse that out in the sink. That, that I'm not looking for all that extra work, man. I got stuff to do. <laughs> what are you going to do with a jar of peanut butter? It's full of peanut butter residue. You know how long it's going to take you to scrub all that out? I would imagine hot water and soap gets that done. But listen, I, I want to continue. Then you got peanut butter all up in the brush or the sponge. I would imagine that's a uh, a sprayer job. The sprayer on the sink. It's still going to take you a lot of time, man. It's still going to be a lot of work. If nobody if nobody is around in my house, which is pretty much never, I'm probably just going to throw that in the trash. I'll recycle when it's convenient enough for me. 
The good news for the environment is that like, I'm never unsupervised pretty much with a wife and two daughters. It's like living with the recycling police. <laughs> they are, they're ready at all times. I, you know, like, isn't it an extra fee for them to pick up recycling? That's an, oh man, that's it's another like, thing. It's like everything that you're supposed to be doing, yes. the government obviously doesn't want you to do it because it's always extra. Recycle. Or, yeah. or, or if you want to eat healthy, it's extra. It's like they don't want you to do the good stuff that you're supposed to do. I have to pay for a sticker to put on a bag of yard waste where I live. $3.15 to get them to take that when I could just throw it in my trash can for free and no one would ever know. I got to pay this extra money to do the right thing. And I do that mostly because if I don't, my kids will scold me for it. And while I don't generally take well to my children scolding me, they will tell my wife and she will back them up. And then that becomes problematic for me. You just, you just do the math on it. Say, hey guys, here's how much it will cost if I did this every week for a year. No, this that's not how it works. Because then Anna and Grace are going to look at them and say, Dad, you're not supposed to throw your cans in the trash. They're supposed to go in the recycle. And he's going to be like, guys, it, they're going to go to the same place. And they're like, but what's the right thing to do? And as the parent, he's probably like, all right, do I tell my kids I don't care about doing the right thing? Or <laughs> I, I, I will throw it in the recycle? Yeah, if I get caught in uh, what's the word for that hypocrisy, I usually respond by saying, well, it's complicated. It's very good parent response. It's you know what the crate. You know what the craziest thing is? Do you know? I don't know if you how you do your coffee at your house, but you know what K cups are, right? Mm -hmm. The single serve ones. Do you know what you're supposed to do with those? It, it's an art project. You're supposed to get, I guess, like a little knife and cut the foil circle off the top, and then dump out the coffee grounds in the trash can, and then rinse out that plastic cup and throw that in the recycling. Nah, dude, I'm good. I mean, I'm already late for work at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now you, you're in the middle of traffic now and you're backed up and you now you won't get to house hall until like noon. Yeah. That's terrible. They recycle at your house, Tony? Uh, No, no. Recycling is not a thing. We tried it for the first week and we put the garbage can out there and they were like, yeah, you got to pay extra to do this. Oh, that was done with recycling for the rest of my life. I like how you say you tried it, like almost like you tried yoga or something like that, or tried look, a particular look, type of food. And you're like, you know, it just wasn't for us. Look, if it's if there's a option where I'm at like an airport or whatever, and there's a recycling bin, I will do that because that's easy. I don't have to worry about payment. I that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I like I like putting you know square things in the square. Yeah, thing. like I enjoy doing that. I for some reason my brain enjoys putting things where it belongs. But if I have to pay extra for it or do extra work for it, Kobe in the trash. <laughs> I'm with I'm with Tony, man. Uh, yeah, at my at my apartment, like they pay for the recycling responsibilities and trash, so I don't I don't even worry about it. Yeah, I'm I'm all for doing the right thing, but you can't make it that difficult. You can't make it where I got to be cutting stuff up and there's and washing stuff out and all these decisions about what can go where and then paying extra to dump yard waste like grass clippings and sticks and stuff. I want to do the right thing. I just don't want to do the right thing that badly. Yeah. 
So I wanted, I was thinking of this story this week of the time uh, my friends and I were in Miami, uh, a couple of guys, and just right after college. So I'm 22-ish at the time. And I met this girl at the pool in Miami, and she was like, yeah, me and my friends, we're going to live tonight. Super popular nightclub in Miami. Oh, gosh, yeah. I used to take the wife and kids there all the time. <laughs> Maybe the most popular nightclub in Miami. Yeah. But at the time, I didn't know that. Like, I, she said it, and I, it was like, oh, okay, some cool club here in Miami, uh, in South Beach. Yeah. And so I said, she said, yeah, we're going there tonight. Like, you and your friends should come meet us. And what am I going to say? No. So I right. said, yeah, um, here, uh, I'll text you when we're on the way. She's like, all right, cool. We exchanged numbers. And then I tell the homies, I'm like, yo, is it going down? Live tonight. And my my friend was just like, like, live the, the nightclub nightclub. And I was like, I guess so. I've never been there before. And he's like, you know who 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 be in there, right? I was like, no. He was like, Drake goes in there sometimes. Yeah, like Rick Ross. Rick Ross stays in there. Yeah. It costs $10,000 for a table in there. I kind of figured this story was headed toward you not getting into live, but go ahead. <laughs> Listen, let, me, let me keep going. So I'm just like, man, whatever. Like, this is one of the finest ones I've ever seen in my life. We're, we're going to, I'm at least attempt. So later that night, we get all ready, dressed yeah. up. We got the chains on, all that. Right. I'm like, we're, we're, we look very Miami. Okay. Versace, like, we, we, we're looking good. We roll up to live around 11 45 midnight there's okay. a line already around the block yeah rolling in you got cars rolling in stars are out and i'm just like yeah dog i don't know if this is gonna work so i text the girl that we were with and i'm like yo me and the guys are on the way she's like yeah we're we're in line but we we're about to get in i'm like cool so by the time we got there they had gotten in already but that's how it usually works at clubs. So yeah, me and my friends actually get to the front of the line by the door. <laughs> Bouncer goes, "Yeah, it's gonna be about two hundred per to get in." <laughs> and I look at that's my probably friend, not bad. I looked at my friends for a college kid. It is so well, no, no, no. I, yeah, I mean by the standards of what it costs to get in there, it's probably not bad. No, two hundred dollars would be a lot for me right now. I looked at my friends. I looked in there. I looked at my friends. I looked in there and I said, yeah, dog, we're just going to enjoy our night in Miami somewhere else. <laughs> and then we had to take the walk of shame past the rest of the people in line. Like, yeah. uh-huh, those are dudes that couldn't afford to get in here tonight. But, you know, it was it's a it was a humbling experience because I'm well, like, Man. but that's not fair for them to laugh at you like that. I mean, there's not like a seat geek or a a ticket like a stock market that tells you like how much it's going to cost to get in that day listen had i known I mean, you maybe you could have sent somebody up to ask but that wouldn't have looked good had i known it was 200 a pop to get in we wouldn't even right. have walked up there that night yeah would have never texted that girl and so then obviously was she, was she working that, what'd you say was she working no, she wasn't doing bottle service or nothing like that. It was just a girl who was live is a strip club. No, 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 it's not. You sure? No. It's a night. No, you're thinking of um King of Diamonds. And every other establishment in Miami. Boom. No, yeah. this was this is like a, a like a club club dance music, like um Polly D um 
DJs in there sometimes. Um, they have other DJs and rappers come in there. So the, the Miami Heat being there, when you get the right. Miami South Beach flu, a lot of times guys catch That's where it you catch there. it. Yep. That's where yep. you catch it. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's my Miami live story. But yeah, it was a, a learning experience for sure. That sounds like every nightclub experience I have ever seen on television or a movie. Yes, but I anything had he said like fifty bucks to get in, I wouldn't have loved it. Well, it's not TGI Fridays, Russ. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. <laughs> he said two hundred dollars a pop. Right. And me and four friends. This was like we really gonna play a thousand dollars to get in this joint, or five five friends. We really gonna play a thousand dollars to get in here? No, no, we're not. So we just walked around South Beach, and it was fun anyway. But for free, yeah, for free. For look, there you go. For free. That was the big part of it. <laughs> South Beach on a budget is uh, not. That's a that's a tough target to hit. It is a uh, one thousand percent, and like it wasn't an inexpensive trip by any means. But by the time we got to the live portion of the, the vacation, I could not do $200 a, a pop to, to walk around uh, live trying to dance with somebody. What do you think is the craziest amount of money you've spent that you look back on and you're like, oof, that was pretty foolish? Uh, I spent 2500 bucks on a car that broke down on me in Ugh. three months. That sucks, man. Yeah, man. I bought a like $850 Burberry shirt that I only wore like twice. I'm I'm not even mad at that, Tony, because people don't know that at the time Burberry was it was a thing. Is it not anymore? I thought it still is. I it, it's not what it was. Like still expensive. Back, it yeah, I think it is still expensive. But early there were like Burberry seats in cars. Mm. Like Burberry was a thing. That was one of those early two thousand trends. I was disappointed in myself. Like when it came, I was like, <laughs> "What? What did I do?" You know, it's like you just felt gross. Like it, after yes. it came in, like I don't know why I bought it. Like it's it's hanging up, and it was like I just. Ugh. You still have it? I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, I'm not mad at him for still having yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm just surprised you haven't sold it for parts or something like that to try to get some of the money back. I mean, that's that's the next step. I think I am going to sell it because <laughs> man, it's just like why would I? Why did I do that? I just I don't know what came over me. It was weird. Jason, what what's the most you've spent on something that you regret? Please don't say the kids. <laughs> Russ, I I think I've lost count. I mean, do you even know all the different incidents that have happened in the NBA the last few days? Because I I have a list in front of me. And I'm not sure if it's a, a fan player incidents. And I don't know if this list is complete because I feel like there's some I'm missing because there's one or two of these every day. It feels like there's at least one a night where it's just like, 
a water bottle, popcorn, spit, water, somebody yelling at somebody's parents or wife or a spouse or family. Like it's right. every night there's something and it's annoying. Um, and like I'm as excited as anybody that like people are able to see sporting events in person again. I think it adds something um, to sports when people are there. And I think energy and crowds that helps make sports what it is. But we've gotten to this point where like it's gotten out of control and to have this happen so much. It's every night that one of these things happen. That's that's ridiculous. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's crazy to me that you're seeing copycat incidents, even though none of them have been exactly the same. At least there's been some creativity. Um, we're not all throwing popcorn, but it's crazy that it it happens. And that's not enough. That's not a flashpoint in the sense of everyone taking stock and being like, wow, that's over the line when the, the people of Philadelphia throw popcorn at Russell Westbrook. Instead, it's well, let's up, let's up the ante to spitting and yelling uh, insults at John Morant's family and uh, and all that. And to your point, let's say Kyrie Irving, for example, getting mm-hmm. the water bottle thrown at him in Boston. Um, I, I, I'm all for them booing Kyrie Irving in Boston. Yeah, I think it's no. silly. I think it's silly. I mean, yeah. I don't know what, what they're, why they'd have this problem with him. Like they thought he was going to be a Celtic for life or whatever, but I'm, I'm all for the booing. That's part of the gamesmanship. And I would think that Kyrie Irving even, enjoys the booing that sets the stage for great drama. And it's a long season. There's a lot of games, even in the playoffs, there's some monotony and he probably likes the challenge of going up against that and trying to shut them up. It, it goes to a whole different level when you're throwing a water bottle at somebody. And I thought that Kevin Durant, who I find to be really unlikable generally when he talks, I not, I'm not a big fan of Kevin Durant, but I thought that he, what he said about this was perfect. Tony, can you read that? And now, Tony Gill reads. All right, guys. Time for another edition of Tony Gill reading. I don't know why people that's like what, That's what the imaging means, Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Jason, it's, it's a whole thing. And I gotta and I gotta redo it, man. Come on, man. Now he's shook. Now he's shook. Put me on my groove, dude. Ah. He wanted to intro it himself and like tell the people, all right, what it was time for, and you ruined it. He for produced him. a thing for it, and then after all the production, then he repeats the production. Let yeah. him have his moment. All right. Let him have all right. Moment. I'm sorry, Tony. You're right. This is your moment to shine, Tony Gill, narrator extraordinaire, the voice of most of the Chicago sports commercials I've seen in the past couple of years. Go ahead. And now Tony Gill reads. Wow. This is so great that I get to read something for you again. So this is Kevin Durant 
I'm not going to read like Kevin Durant. I'm going to read it like Tony Gill because I am the professional reader. He put his glasses on for this, Russ. <laughs> I can see. Fans got to grow up at some point. I know that being in the house for a year and a half with the pandemic got a lot of people on edge. Got a lot of people stressed out. But when you come to these games, you have to realize these men are human. We are not animals. We are not in the circus. You come to the game is not all about you as a fan. Have some respect for the human being and have some, some respect for yourself. Your mother wouldn't be proud of you throwing water bottles at basketball players or spitting on players or tossing popcorn. So grow the F up and enjoy the game. It's bigger than you. Tony, that was an excellent job of reading. Uh, and everything Kevin Durant says was correct. And I, I think the part that I will not allow to be an excuse is that we were in the house for a year and a half. That's BS. That He's is being not, generous. No, and 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 I I think I've heard that a lot over the last week. Like, I'm like, well, people have been in the house, and no, that's who you are. Like. You feel entitled because you spent 70, 80, 90, 200, 300 bucks on a ticket. If you're sitting courtside, you spent upwards of $1,000 on a ticket. And you feel entitled and look at these guys as entertainment. They're not people. They're not human beings. Right. They are purely entertainment. Like, he like said, a circus. Like the circus, like going yeah. to the zoo, like going to the... Yeah. Brookfield Zoo, Shed Aquarium or whatever and seeing animals like this is not that. And people are treating these athletes like they're some sideshow. And I think that's completely inappropriate. And you can't you sh you cannot treat human beings that way. I'll tell you what, to spit at another human being is one of the most demeaning acts you can commit to somebody. And the fact that you have a grown man spitting at a player is not only unacceptable, but I, especially think about, think about this. We were just in a pandemic where droplets. <laughs> right. Yeah. Were because of the entire thing. Right. And then you think you can spit on somebody else? No. If I go spit on someone uh, in life, Russ, it's apparently because I want to get my teeth knocked out. I would assume it. Any other? I would assume. Hey, life? this is that. That's that's, that's the fun. only outcome here. Yeah. That's that's what'll happen. So here we go. I. Any other place in life, that's what happens. To throw popcorn on somebody. Like that's it's it's not only rude but disrespect. Like the guy's going off with an injury, and you know what? No, this is my time to make it even. Worse. I'm going to throw popcorn on this person because that's not a person. That's entertainment. Westbrook was ready to handle that too, by the and, way, and if that, you saw that video, it, it took, it took him. five guys to hold him back. I'm with him, handling like, that. And, and, it, and it, he it has to, him a lot. he it has to restrain to him himself specifically a lot. All these guys, you're what you're talking about is an insane level of disrespect, throwing a water bottle, throwing popcorn, spitting at somebody and yelling at somebody's parents at a game. I mean, it's crazy to me. It's, it's a way that I can't comprehend how you get to a point where you're doing this. And yet on the other end of it, on the other side of it, Russell Westbrook 
and all of these other players, Trey Young, they are expected to show the, mm-hmm. an, an unrealistic level of restraint because next thing you know, you have the malice at the palace and you got guys getting suspended for the rest of the season. They're supposed to pretty much take it and, and, and then expect that the league will handle it later with one of these lifetime bans, which I, I'm not even sure how you enforce because I don't any one of these guys I think could put on a pair of glasses and buy a ticket from somebody else and go to a game. And they're not, they don't have facial recognition software to make sure that these guys aren't at games, but that's not the point. The point is that these guys are like are supposed to absorb this disrespect. And if they flip out, if Russell Westbrook has no one there holding him back and he goes up into the stands and a total and total chaos breaks out, like you had in that Pacers Pistons game years ago, Russell Westbrook is going to be suspended for that. Correct. And it's one of those things where you look at the malice of the palace differently after watching all these things transpire. Yeah, you do. And then you have, you have guys, you have Celtics players coming out and Kyrie Irving is concerned about uh, encountering racism when he goes there. Uh, he for literally first talked back about it fans. before it happened. Yes. Yeah. And you have Celtics players backing him up. You had, uh, you had one of the Utah players, I believe was, either backing up or, or apologizing for what happened to John Morant. You have guys confirming this. This is not in dispute, really, that this has been happening on and on and on. And I got to say, man, every time I see this, I don't know if this is statistically 100%, but every time I see this, it's a white fan and a black athlete. You can't sit there and see that happen over and over and over and not make the next step and say, there is an element of racism in this. There is an element of these white fans looking at these black athletes as animals or circus performers like Kevin Durant said. That's exactly what it is. When, when Ja Morant's parents, somebody tells Ja's dad, I'll put a nickel in your ma- in your back and make you dance, boy. Yes. Yep. There, it does not get any more racist than that. That is your... 1950s 1960s level racism that we're talking about <laughs> yes. here yes in 2021 like yes that's ridiculous you know when you have people spitting at at athletes you talk about that that demeaning like i just talked about the most demeaning thing you can do to somebody that's what people have been doing feel like they could do to black people in this country for a long time and people in that that space feel like they can do that to these athletes because, well, they can't do anything back. I paid for this ticket and they're the entertainment. And it to have people like Danny Ainge say, I've never experienced that. That's a bold-faced lie. Danny Ainge has played his entire career, spent his entire career as an executive in Boston. He knows what's gone on in that building. In the or old- he doesn't want to know. Or, or it's or it's true and it's because he's insulated himself and never bothered to care about it it's 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 been something that's been talked about in that city in in not even in that in multiple sports in that city for a long time it's not talked about in any northern city as much as it is in Boston in Utah we've heard about this happening for a long time yeah and it continues to happen and things like it it's bigger than okay you can't buy tickets to NBA games anymore this is a mindset thing. This is people who feel like you have ownership over other people. And it's been this way for a long time. And there is something about these spaces 
where you just feel I can do this to this person and they can't do anything back to me. There's a justification for that seems to be that what you mentioned about that they've paid for the ticket. So that just grants you all rights to insult or mistreat the players that you've paid money to see. That's very confusing. And secondly, they know that Russell Westbrook, for example, is not coming up in those stands. That that's not going to happen. I, I think you, you can't do this, but I think if they knew that they would then have to have a physical face-to-face encounter with any of these athletes. I mean, pick the shortest, smallest one in the NBA, and you don't want to fight that guy. I think that would be a major deterrent. I think that tends to be a deterrent when you're on the streets, when you're in the city. And Russ even said after the game, like, if that person saw me on the street, you wouldn't be pop- pouring popcorn on my head because you know that situation would go totally different. You yeah. wouldn't talk to my wife a certain way because you know that would go totally different. And I, I just I think there's just a level of person. It comes down to who people are. And I think this is always who people have been. And I, I think there's a fun part of being a fan and a fun part of enjoying fans. But that's not what this is. Like this part of fandom, you can get rid of that because that's not fandom. That's being an asshole and feeling like you have power over somebody. Yeah, entitlement. I don't know how you do get it out of there because I don't see how a lifetime ban could really be enforced at an NBA arena. I'm not sure what the solution is to this, but it, it's embarrassing. Prison. What was that? Yeah, you, that, yeah. you have to. Prison. You have to start being charged for that. I mean, I think they are getting arrested for this. Like the guy Prison. who threw the water bottle at Kyrie got arrested that night. Yeah. That's what it's going to take. Like it takes severe punishment. It can't just be something where you can bail out that night. Like it has to be something where somebody needs to be made an example of, you know, you, and to know you can't just say these things at somebody and that be okay. You can't throw popcorn on somebody and then you just get to go home that night. Yeah. yeah. All right. You, you get a month in, in prison. You get six weeks or, you know, three weeks in, in half a month in prison. Just yeah. go see, go see what the, what the, what the that like uh, the NBA, see what, see what, how they feel about that. Or maybe, uh, maybe like 10 grand or something like that. Yeah. Or would, a would you settle fine. for a $10,000 fine, Tony? Nope. Gotta go see, gotta go see the goons. <laughs> well, here's my thing. I do think because the people who are in these sections, I do feel can afford that. And I I do think jail is different. Like when you have to, when you hear the doors close prison. behind you. Not jail, prison. Yeah, when you when the doors close behind you. You don't, you don't go to prison yeah. for a month, Tony. That's not how it works. But anyway, go ahead. But I do feel like this is something where you have to be charged with something. You have to be behind bars. Something hefty enough that will, yes, that will result that, in them. Because yeah. that's what becomes a deterrent. Like, when the penalty is heavy enough, that's when you start to see change. And so that's I, what I think needs to happen. I thought that, I mean, I don't know if you're going to make fun of me for this or not, but I thought that the best part of what Kevin Durant said was pointing out how your mother would react to you doing this. And I don't think you're going to meet a mom who will be proud of their 
son for doing something like this. I can't imagine making the phone call to my mom to tell her, Hey, you're going to see me on the news later. And here's why. In one of I these will cases. say I've seen a lot of ladies say some things at some of these games and they'd be out in the forefront. So maybe there's some moms who are proud of their child for doing some of these things. I think America has, uh, America's gotten soft <laughs> in the repercussions aspect. Like, back in the days, you know, when I was a child, the, the art like, of... Fist- like five years ago? <laughs> the art of fisticuffs was a real thing. If you disrespect somebody... We did, we did a whole segment on going 30, we know. You're going to have to bring out the hands. And the, fe- the there is no fear from these people that they will catch any hands because America has say, Hey guys, just don't, don't, don't do that. Like yeah, some people need, need that. No, you need to so get they learn. sometimes. Like some people need that. So they learn. Yeah. For is, sure. I, I, those people I, have I, never got I to agree. Point. I, I agree. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think, I think there, there comes a point in time where no, you, you've never had your ass whooped and you mm-hmm. felt, You've your whole life you've gone thinking this was okay and you yes. haven't caught the right person. But now you about to find like the person who and you buy buy your way out of problems and things like that. Person who threw the popcorn on Russ. If, if I wanted to be, I want to be one of the guards and be like, oh man, he just slipped out. <laughs> just slipped out. He was too strong. He got the best of me. And yeah. Russ go up there and show that person that he was not the one. Yeah, I mean, that's if 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 we're not sending them to prison, right? And I know, like, from the NBA standpoint, you can't have the big black men beat up the smaller white customer visually. Mm-hmm. Like, but you, you, well, you just can't, yeah, and, and yes, all, correct. And you can't have your, you just can't have your players, you can't have your employees doing that. You just can't. But it's, it, but I don't, there's, there isn't any repercussions for their actions. I know. Ban for life. No, that, that doesn't matter. That's not a real I'll band. Just have Tony buy the tickets after I get banned for life. Right, exactly. Yeah. No, it's they there there has to be something that's done. Um to back to Tony's point about the consequences as us as a country. We've gotten to the point where you just don't know what somebody has on them, if you know what I mean. Yep. 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 And I think that's a big part of it too. In a lot of different communities and circles where it's just like Back in the day, you could just fight and know that it would end there. We don't live in a world like that anymore. Like we don't live in a world where, oh, I got my ass whooped. Well, I know I'll, I know better now. It's all right. I got my ass whooped. Now I'm gonna go to the trunk on you, and now you, now we're gonna get it popping. And so I think for that reason, that's one of the reasons that doesn't work as well anymore. But I, I do think. Look, I think at some point things come back so maybe there's a point where i'd much rather live in a world where somebody can catch these hands for for throwing things at you so even if even if you're decently only like decently well off financially you can probably be out of jail out on bail that same night right and you can fight this down to whatever and so I don't, yeah, I don't know if a fine does the job. Like Tony was saying, I mean, I got a $10,000 fine for me personally in my life right now. Some kind of $10,000 penalty would hurt. That'd be rough. 
I would pay it to avoid six weeks in jail. That doesn't scare me as much as a month, six weeks in jail would scare me. That doesn't scare me as much as uh, Russell Westbrook sending a couple of his friends to come find me. Six weeks with the goons. Yeah, I'd rather find a way to come up with that 10 grand. (laughs) You're a sports fan, right? Of course you are. That's probably why you're listening to this podcast. And that's why you need to hit up Obvious Shirts. Owned and operated since 2015, Obvious Shirts is for fans, by fans. No matter what team in town you cheer for, they have something for you. Featuring unique and creative designs, they'll help you stand out in any ballpark. Go to ObviousShirts.com and use promo code ADJACENT10. That's promo code ADJACENT10 to receive 10% off your next purchase. Obvious Shirts. Words on shirts. One of the things that makes sports really cool is the entertainment factor and the in-game competition. You have teams matched up against each other in whatever sport it is. You have the storylines. And one of my favorite storylines within that is a guy or guys or it's not even, I don't even mean it to be gender specific people who might be a villain. So the villain in sports. So if we think back to all time great villains in sports, I'd say the late great Kobe Bryant was one of the best villains in sports we have ever seen. Yeah. I think uh, Carl Malone would be a villain in sports. I think John Stockton would be considered a villain. Well, Um, okay. Yeah. But those two are like villains in an episode of Scooby-Doo where they always get found (laughs) out at the end and, if it wasn't for you, that darn Michael Jordan. Right. Yeah. But go but go on though. Your point's taken. Go ahead. You know, so like I think that's a, a really fun part of sports. I think it it's it's something that's needed. I think a guy like a Reggie Miller, you can look at in that yeah. same way. AJ um, Pierzynski. Right. AJ Pierzynski, a villain. Uh but a guy and, and not in a necessarily negative way. But just a guy that you hate him if he's not on your team. You love him if he's on your team. Fans of opposing teams hate that person. Fans in that yeah. team love that person. Joe Kim Noah. Joe Kim. See, I do think Joe was a villain in like in Boston and Cleveland, as the reasons we talked in about. In Miami. In Miami. Um, LeBron. Honestly, I'd say the Heatles were for yeah. a stretch of time they were the villain there's a there's a difference between being so great that every like michael jordan was a villain to the other 29 teams in the 90s or however many there were because he was the thing in the way of the knicks the rockets the blazers the jazz the sonics orlando all indiana all these teams then then you have kind of the antagonistic nature of what the heat did where they're counting championships before they've even taking the court. And that, that I think elevates it to a level of a villain. Like LeBron, I think is a villain in a way of right now, everybody feels like they got to go through him. He was a next level villain when he was part of Miami. I think, and I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say, I think LeBron in Miami became a villain. And I think what the guys that we've mentioned already have in common is they want it to be the villain. I don't think LeBron's ever wanted to be a villain. And I, think I don't think he, that's in his nature. No. Right. And I think when he went from Cleveland to Miami, 
everybody hated Le- lots of people hated LeBron. And be- after the not one, not two, not three, not four, five, right. six, seven, right. I think that grew. And then everybody wanted these guys who they felt like ruined the NBA, quote unquote, to lose. And yeah. I felt like him and even D Wade to a certain extent, um, felt like the, all right, we're the villains now, and we just have to because I remember they got off to that bad stretch. Yeah, they started like where, nine and eight or something, and it where, was where absolutely was like, catastrophic. Yeah, where D Wade was like, look, everybody get what they want, the Miami Heat losing. And you had LeBron do that whole, well, the people who are mad at me still gotta go to their bad jobs and go back to the lives that they live and they they're whack 95. And I'm totally out of that, by the way. Have you seen his Mountain Dew commercial? No. Well, he's got this Mountain Dew commercial where he ends up being a salsa dancer or some salsa instructor. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they've clipped it, Russ. They've clipped it. I don't know if this is fair to him, but Mountain Dew clipped it in a way of him waking up in the morning, having a Mountain Dew, which I promise you has never happened and sounds disgusting. And then he says, what would happen if I hit the snooze button? And then they cut to a shot of him doing his laundry at a laundromat like us peasants. Like how horrible that would be for him to have to do his own laundry (laughs) at a laundromat. That whole speech came from LeBron being viewed as the villain. So, yeah, I don't think that's ever been in. I love that speech. It it, it was Uh, the one about that. Everyone has to go back to their miserable jobs and their miserable lives. I love that. That was in his articulate thing. He's talking to you, though, man. That's I'll still got to go to y'all bum ass jobs <laughs> where you have a boss and you're not making no money. And I get to be LeBron James. Like I felt him. Yeah. I love I felt him. Like all these people complaining about who he is and how he's ruined the game. Shut up. You, you're broke. <laughs> I, I think that came out of a place of him being uncomfortable in that position though. Like I don't think that his personality I don't think he enjoys or has any inclination to be the villain. No, I think with that team, not at all. Wade didn't care. Now it's time for a Chicago Bears segment we call. This is fine. I'm okay with the events that are unfolding currently. Everything's fine. That's okay. Things are going to be okay. I think the just uh, Justin Fields make everything fine so everything is fine Russ yeah Bears still have Justin Fields he's doing great also Nick Foles is on the books for seven million dollars this season and I'm not sure what his job is holds the clipboards back to villains (laughs) now it's time for Chicago Bears segment we call is fine. I'm okay with the events that are unfolding currently. Everything's fine. That's okay. Things are going to be okay. Uh, Russ, regarding Nick Foles? Yeah. Also next season. <laughs> that is, that is, uh, that's rough. <laughs> that's rough. But yeah, they got Justin Fields. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. This this topic on villains got me thinking over the last couple of days. Like, all right, yeah. who are the the true villains in the four major sports? And I got to thinking. Okay, I'm gonna get hockey out of the way right now. Uh, a guy named Tom Wilson is notorious for dirty hits. 
he okay. is by far considered in the NHL. Like I think all 30 fan bases agree. He is the villain in, in hockey. Um, is hockey NFL, still one of the four major sports? Because a couple of weeks ago when, or a month ago when Walt, when target stopped selling trading cards, they had a sign on the door that said, because of the safety of our customers, we're going to stop selling MLB, NBA, NFL, and Pokemon cards. So Pokemon might have replaced hockey as the fourth major sport. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. But yes, it's still the last time I checked the major. All right, we got Tom Wilson. In the NFL, uh, Vontae's perfect for a long time villain. Yes. 30 hits, just easy one. Yes. Um, I don't even know if he's still in the NFL at this point. I think enough teams have gotten tired of his act and he's out of there. Um, I think people have tried to turn Odell into a, vi- a villain for a long time. I, I, yeah, I think they have. I think there's just a dislike for him or a misunderstanding of his personality. He's not a malicious guy. I don't see him as a villain. No, I but, I, but so. I hear what you're saying. I think I think people love to hate him. Yes, um, I think people his teammate, I think people have wanted Baker Mayfield to yes. be that villain category. Uh, the Jalen Ramsey, another guy who I think would enjoy it has enjoyed that role. As, yeah. He's a good villain. He's villain a good villain slash yeah. agitator. And I think and he's got the, he's got the talent. He's got the greatness yeah. to back he it up, which makes it, it, yeah. it makes it fun. It adds to the theater of it. And obviously Tom Brady might be okay. The best villain we've ever seen. <laughs> um, And it and has the greatness to back it up. Yeah. Joy's, um, he's actually great on social media and like kind of plays into it now as opposed to like early in his career I don't think he did I think he plays into it now and I think it's it's really good Um, in the NBA there are only a couple I think people have tried to turn Kyrie into a villain Uh, I I don't necessarily agree with that one wholeheartedly Um, Jimmy Butler has been on the Villain list. Tony's not in, in agreement. He loves that job. He loves that. Yeah, I, I, I think he's one that enjoys it. The guy yeah. I, I'm about to say here really enjoys it. Joel Embiid. I think loves antagonizing loves that role as being the NBA villain. And a guy who's been a villain since he came onto the scene at Duke, Grayson Allen, still a villain. <laughs> Is he still in the league? <laughs> yes. He he plays for uh the Memphis Grizzlies. Okay. He's a He's been tripping people since way back when, man. Tripping people, hitting people below the belt. Yeah, he walks in the room with that punchable face too. Do you think? Do you think you would enjoy that role? Do you think you would enjoy being hated like that? Because, for example, when we talk about LeBron and the idea of being a villain, he doesn't like that. He he likes that more fraternity mindset within basketball, and and more of a. like a theater performer almost that like we're all here to put on this show together against each other, but we're all here to put on this show. I don't think he likes to be a villain. You think you'd enjoy that? Uh, I know of the three of us, uh, my guy, Tony would love to be the villain. He's the villain of this show. Yeah. He's the villain everywhere he goes. (laughs) Every week we're trying to conquer him. Joel Embiid of my life. I I would, I would would say that. You need to put that on a Valentine's card, man. I think, he I am more in that LeBron mindset where like I don't think I would enjoy that like that's not my personality yeah um I think that fits Tony a lot better like as a natural contrarian I think it just naturally goes with him I don't think that that's me um 
Yeah, I, I, but I, I guess I've never been hated at that level. Like, I, I think there comes a point in time where you, you get just some like, fun you know, emails. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> but I think there comes a point in time where you're just like, all right, you wanted, you wanted it so bad. I'll be yeah. a villain now. I think I'm, I, if, if it ever got into that, it got to that level, I think I might have that turn and like have that true heel turn. Um, oh, in baseball, Trevor Bauer. I think that's another guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't Uh, stand that guy. And the entire Houston Astros organization. (laughs) (laughs) But that's of their own self-doing. Tony (laughs) LaRusso. I have two times I've been recognized that both are unflattering, so you'll enjoy them. I was, when I was covering the Dolphins, I was checking into a hotel in like Appleton, Wisconsin or something to cover Dolphins at Packers a few years ago. And I walk into this dumpy in Appleton. And as I'm walking through the door, the first thing I hear is, oh man, Jason Laser. (laughs) And I'm like, I'll take it. The better one, though, that I loved was this was years ago, man. I was covering high schools down in Miami, high school football. And we would do these videos every week, like for game of the week. And I started to become record. I started to get recognized a lot at the high schools. They would recognize me from those videos. And there was one time I pulled into this high school in my uh, my like 10 year old Honda Accord. And I get out of my car. I'm not I haven't even closed the door yet to my car. I'm just pulling my bag out of the car. And I hear, oh, man, Jason Leisure. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he goes, I thought you'd be driving a way nicer car than that. (laughs) Russ, we had a lot of good stuff that we did not end up doing a lot on. Um, One of the things on my list here that I thought was very interesting was Naomi Osaka withdrawing from the French open Mm -hmm. for what appears to be mental health concerns. That's that was the gist of her statement that she put out on it. It appears that you don't, you don't want to, the reason I keep saying appears is you don't want to make any assumptions or diagnoses about anything like this, but it sounds like she's dealing with some anxiety and depression. This is the number two seed in the tournament. It's a really big deal. You have her at, at basically at odds with not only the French open, but Wimbledon, the whole grand slam about doing media access and then apologizing it for apologizing for it today. This is kind of complicated because you and I both care a lot about media access, but this is a serious personal health issue for her. What, what was your reaction to this when you saw this in, in the news all week? Um, I'm very, cautious when it comes to people and mental health because that's something that's been very important to me for a lot of different reasons and taking care of people who feel that they've had something that they're struggling with and i feel a lot of time for our athletes it's all right yeah yeah, 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 you're battling with some mental health stuff all right get out there right and nobody perform for us and so I think with people like Kevin Love coming out and talking about his battles with, you know, mental mental health and his mental health struggles and 
with this, I, I think it's a situation where you have a 23-year-old that's been the number one or number two tennis player in the world since she was in her teens. Um, very successful, has been very outspoken about a lot of things, and there's this expectation on her. And I think sometimes we we don't look at these athletes in with a wide enough lens and say, you know, we're asking a 23-year-old to to do a lot here. And while I think part of being a professional athlete is um, some of these media obligations, I do think we've gotten to a point with the media where reporters need to start doing a better job. Journalists need to start doing better jobs of their coverage. Um, outlets need to start doing a better job of making sure these 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 journalists or reporters that attend and are asking people like Naomi Osaka these questions are as informed as possible. Because when you don't, you get questions like this that were asked to Coco Golf today. You're often compared to the Williams sisters. Maybe it's because you're black, but I guess it's because you're talented and maybe American too. We could have a final between you and Serena. Is it something that you hope for? I mean, 22 years separate you girls. Like something like that. Well, what a horrible quote. Who, what, how did she respond to that? Um, she gave a, a decent answer, but that question is absolutely terrible. Have you covered tennis, by the way? I have not. No. The press conferences for that, I used to cover the Miami Open almost every year. The press conferences there, it's different, man. It's the it's uh press from around the world, and it's there's a lot of people magazine kind of stuff. The questions they get asked in those tennis tournaments, when I hear that question that you just read that was to Coco Goff, it's jarring anytime you hear a question asked that way, but it's not totally out of the range of what I've heard at tennis press conferences. And for that reason alone, I think to give some context to this. Yes. That's the reason why you have Naomi Osaka. Like, dude, why would I keep, why would I keep subjecting myself to this? If yeah. I'm going to be asked questions like that. Yeah. I refuse. Like in, in our jobs, maybe there's one bad question a day, maybe. But if you're listening to a 30 minute press conference and it's mostly questions like that, if I was the athlete, I'm like, yeah, F this. Like, why would I sit through this every tournament? If these are going to be the yeah. questions that come up, like nobody's getting creative, nobody's sensitive to me or uh, some of the things I'm dealing with. It's yeah. just questions like that. And I think, I think she, I think she did the right thing. Like if you're struggling with something, you know, there'll be other French opens She's not going anywhere. She's going to yeah. be one of the best, if not the best tennis player in the world right now. It's fine. But I, I think there needs to be a, a a focus on the media in this regard. And that sport specifically needs to do a better job of covering not only their athletes, but athletes of color. Because I think there's a very big disconnect here uh, when you have the best golfer in the world who's a black woman. And I think if you look at this in the lens of we have Serena Williams, who for the last 20 years was the best tennis player we've maybe ever seen. Yeah. And had to have basically the same thing happen to her. And now the same thing is that happened to her is happening to Naomi Osaka. And I think that can't happen. Like you can't have this thing happen twice in five, like decades following each other. By the same group of media. Right. 
Right. Like at some point it has, that has to change. You and learn from it, you change like this for that to change. I think it's necessary, but go ahead, Tony. No, I was going to say like, it's up to those, these, these tournament heads. They obviously don't see an issue with how their athletes are covered. Um, particularly their uh, uh, black athletes, uh, athletes of color. They don't, they don't care. They just go out there, do whatever you need to do. And if you don't go out there, we're going to find you or we're going to. And they banded together and went from zero to a hundred on yeah. that. The yeah. Foot, and they, the they're, grand they're slams. All... That, that seemed like an over, there were a few exit ramps in between where we could say, Hey, this person that always fulfills her media obligations doesn't want to do it here for some reason is having some issues. It wasn't that all that much known about it at the time. She's certainly said a lot since there was a couple things that there were a couple steps in between all four grand slams, like banding together against her. And then the tournament today, like tweeted a picture of the, the tennis players that were out there doing their media availability. And they tweeted something like they understood the assignment and then deleted it. But it's just like, dude, see, if this is how you feel, why would you expect her to exactly. ever think that you would understand yeah. what she's going through as an athlete, as a person, as a woman of color? Like, if, if you, you're tone deaf to everything she just said and you tweet something like that from your tournament's account, th- that's why we're at this moment right now. We have the number one tennis player in the world withdrawing from a tournament. I would, I would go as far as tennis as a whole – Tournament heads, tournament officials, they never wanted uh, uh, the best player in the world to be uh, a person of color. Never. I don't think they enjoyed any of the, the, the run of Serena, even though she brought a lot of eyes and a lot of viewers to their sport. I don't think they enjoyed it one bit and tried to find every possibility to find someone else to promote, even if the talent level gap. With how many how many times have we done this with what Maria Sharapova trying to make her an equal to uh to Serena when it was not even close in any aspect? They will they are trying to find ways to demean their their athletes of color in order to make sure that their sport is quote unquote pure. The rest of my list of things we missed is much more nonsense than this. <laughs> Okay, let's we could have done a whole segment on that. I'm glad that we did talk about it. I can't believe she apologized in her statement for this because I felt like she didn't need to. This That feels to me like a 23-year-old that's got a lot going on, and that is a hard world to navigate. Um, the rest the rest of my uh, list of things we didn't end up getting to, Russ, the Knicks are back to being a team that no one cares about. They're down 3-1 to the Hawks at the time we're recording this. They look like a joke, and Russ uh, – my wish for you is that you never lose the childlike joy that comes with watching the Knicks get knocked out of the playoffs. I have enjoyed it since I was a kid, and I hope that you get to have that as well. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. The first team into the second round is the Bucks. They destroyed the Heat. You, are you giving them a chance this year? The Bucks? Yeah, do you think they can do it? I mean, you got Philly, Brooklyn, the Lakers. I, I still count the Lakers. I don't care if they're a seven seed or whatever. I mean, do you think the Bucks have a shot? It's too easy to defend Giannis. You're not buying it, huh? Unless he's hitting outside shots, I just think a good defensive team has got to be able to navigate that. Tony, do you agree with me? I agree. They're a different team. They're a better team. Mm-hmm. But, 
I mean, what Chris Middleton is going to do it for you at the at the you know at the end, you know, Drew Holiday, he's going to do it for you. I mean, they're still really really good players, but the really special players really come through when it when it matters. And I, I think, don't think they. I think the addition of Drew Holiday maybe gives them that push to get them to the finals, but I think once they get there, you just say, "All right, I'll let Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton beat me," and they can't. Right. Uh, this is not a news item, but I love Mike Conley. And if you don't, I will fight you in the street. If you come against me on Mike Conley, the point guard for the Utah Jazz, you will find these hands. You will, what was it? You will be, catch. You will be these hands will be finding you. Catch these hands. You will be catching these hands. These hands will catch you. Tony, you know what the funniest part about that statement from Jason was? This man said he wouldn't fight somebody that was talking about his wife at Jewel. But he'll fight somebody over Mike Conley. <laughs> That's right. Mike Conley, 27 points, eight assists, six rebounds to beat Memphis the other day. He's like 33, 34 years old. How do you not love this guy? First time all-star in his 14th season. That's the longest anybody's ever waited. He's a point guard for the best for the team with the best record in the league. And then afterward, this is what really makes me love Mike Conley because, I mean, this guy, he's been such a good point guard offensively, defensively throughout the years. This is what he said about Ja Morant. It's another reading segment, Tony. And now, Tony Gill reads. Hey, guys. This is a segment where uh, I, Tony Gill, read things. It's amazing to be playing against my guy, against a guy like Ja, first off. Just seeing a guy that's just so talented. He's a young superstar in the league, wearing the jersey that I'm so used to wearing, getting the cheers from the crowd that I'm so used to hearing. It's surreal. It's like full circle. You never know, you, whoa, whoa. You never thought that it would be this way. I never did, at least. I think that was poet poetic. I love that. You guys are rolling your eyes at me, but I love that. <laughs> These hands will find you, Russ. I mean, listen, I doubt it, knowing what I know about you. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad you finally found some enthusiasm where you want to fight about something. Moving I'm sad it's not somebody talking about your wife. But <laughs> Mike Conley got it done. Russ, are you depressed by recent negative fan interactions in basketball? <laughs> yes. Well, I've got a story for you about a good one. All right, let's get it. Have you seen this video? There is a video of a young Padres fan waving at Manny Machado while he's on deck. And Manny Machado waves back to him. And the kid just like can't believe it. It's got a million plus views. Have you seen this? It is. Uh, yes, I have seen it. I saw it last week. A very cute kid. And uh, what I found out that night that others might not know, that is the child of one Patrick Finley who's your colleague, my colleague at the Chicago Sun-Sun. Yeah. Thanks for uh, spoiling the end of it there, Russ. Sorry, buddy. Hey, Boone you. Finley. That was that was a nice video. I like that. Yeah. And, I, I rather it was uh, Finley's kid waving at Manny than Finley, because I know Finley deep down. <laughs> I don't want it to be waving at Manny Machado. <laughs> Uh, and finally, the owner of a zoo in Wisconsin couldn't believe it that his 35-year-old alligator escaped because he was, quote, unathletic and, quote, quite overweight. This is a zoo, by the way, run by Steve Doc Hopkins at his Harley-Davidson dealership in Bonduel, Wisconsin. 
All right. A rare alligator escape from a motor t- motorcycle dealership. That seems like a, a quality place to end this podcast. Uh, that that's gonna do it for us this week on Sports Adjacent. Uh, a really fun show today uh, for Russ Dorsey, Jason Leisure, Tony Gill. We will see you guys next week. Make sure you listen podcast wherever you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify. Give us five stars. We review. We will holler at you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Sports Adjacent with Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey. Be sure to download, subscribe, and give the podcast five stars. You can check out the latest episode of Sports Adjacent on all digital streaming platforms. I'm very much adjacent. For a couple hours, I thought I was hood. But then all that happened, I was like, you know what, James? You adjacent to the motherfucker.